this. We're going to go ahead and get started. I'm a little out of breath because I was running all over because someone stole my sermon this morning. I came over here, my sermon was gone. I told the devil, you're not going to take away this sermon. I'm preaching it no matter what. Luckily, we have a printer downstairs. All right, so we have all kinds of opportunities for small groups here at Family Life Church. Some of those are more formal and scheduled, kind of like we have life groups that are starting this week, and some of those are more informal and unscheduled. But we're not just doing small groups because we couldn't think of anything else to do. We're doing small groups because we believe they're super, super valuable. We see the early church, and we see the faith that the early church walked out And we believe part of the strength of the faith of the early church is the people they surrounded themselves with. It's the community that they were in. It's the people they were doing small groups with. We live in a world that is rapidly changing. It's actually pretty amazing how quickly the world is changing. And in some of those changes, we feel like there's some things that are being lost that we want to see the church recapture. And relationships are one of those things that we feel like are going the way of the dinosaur, that we want to see the church recapture. Millennials were kind of coined the selfie generation, and then kind of the younger generations after the millennials, selfies have only even increased. And there's kind of a a relational progression that I feel like I've seen happen over the last few decades. I think it really started in the 90s, in the mid-90s, early 90s, with things like um, email, and AOL Instant Messenger, if you can remember back that far. If you don't know what AOL Instant Messenger is, it was like texting before texting, pretty much. Um, But what happened in those things is we started having more and more filtered communications, more and more calculated communications. For thousands of years, the primary means of communication was face-to-face interactions with people. But that's kind of changed over the last however many years. And we have many more filtered communications now. There have been times where I've uh, written an email, probably some of you have done this too, where I've written an email and I've just erased the whole thing and started over again and written a new email. And then I took that email and I, I deleted a paragraph and wrote a new paragraph. And then I deleted a sentence and wrote a new sentence and changed this word a little bit here or there. And there's been times where that's certainly saved me a lot of trouble in my life is, you know, filtering my what I was going to say to someone. But really what that does is that creates a filtered version of myself that I'm presenting to the world. I say to the world around me, this is the me that I want you to see. And I filter who I am to the world around me. And now filters have evolved where it's not even just our words that are being filtered. Now actually pictures are being filtered where we're putting pictures of ourselves up on the internet that are filtered. Like when I was a teenager, you had to like, if you had a, a pimple, you had to kind of decide, like, am I going to pop it? Do I just let it ride? Or like, what, you know, it's a hard decision, you know? But these days, you can just take a picture and filter it off, and you look perfect. Off you go. Kids these days don't have to de- deal with that. And it's so, so frequent that people are filtering their pictures that if you post a picture on social media and you don't filter it, you kind of got to let everyone know, like, hashtag no filter, right? Like, because it's so common to filter ourselves. I watched a video recently um, with a group of young people and a, a psychologist were sitting down and talking. And she would ask them a bunch of questions, and then they would kind of respond to the questions. I wrote down some of the questions that she asked. 
She asked, would you ever put a picture of yourself on social media without filtering it, to which they laughed and said, never. She said, how do you feel about answering phone calls? The kids said they wouldn't answer the phone call. They would let it go to voicemail. They would see what the person wanted, and then they would text their response. Therapist said, what about times where you have to talk to someone on the phone, like if you want to order a pizza or something like that? And one girl said, I get so scared when I have to do that that I literally write out the conversation ahead of time, the way that I think it will go, so I don't freak out in the moment. The therapist said, what about checking out at a store where you have to interact with someone? They said, they make self-checkout for things like that. I go to a store that has self-checkout, so I don't have to interact with someone. The therapist said, how would you feel about a job interview where you have to talk to someone and kind of answer questions about, about yourself? One girl said, that's so scary that I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack right now just at the thought of it. One kid said, I'll, I would actually probably work a remote job where I could try and apply for the job virtually so I wouldn't have to meet in person. What I want you to see is that the filtered fake life has some consequences. The filtered fake life that we've been living has some consequences. Some of those consequences are anxiety and isolation. And the more we go down the, that road, the further and further our society goes into isolation and anxiety. If we're going to get out of that rut that we're in, we're going to have to make some intentional, strategic, and specific decisions to get out of that rut that we're in. And that's part of the reason that we do small groups, is to intentionally and specifically say, we're not going down that road. There's another path that the Lord has for us, and we're going to walk in that path. We're going to have to learn to exercise our relational muscles that are fatigued and, and weak and learn to practice some of those things. So I want to talk this morning about how do we do small groups? What makes a great small group? What can I do to contribute to a small group to make it a great small group? Are there things that I should avoid if I want to have a great small group? The question I want to answer this morning is how do we live in circles? So I thought this morning we would start out by uh, showing you what a small group might look like. So we're going to go ahead and do that now. Welcome. How is everyone? Thanks. How's everyone over here in our small group? <laughs> well, personally, I had a fantastic week. I decided to, you know, take a day off and just get away from all of the worldly pressures and the worldly concerns and just spend some time in the Lord's great presence. And I feel like he is really blessing my amazing faithfulness in that. Hmm. Andy? Well, I, um, I, I had, I, well, first of all, I am Andy, okay? My name really is Andrew, but I go by Andy. I know this other guy, his name was uh, Andrew, but he goes by Drew, you know? But anyway, I had a pretty good week, um, well, until my car broke down, and uh, that reminded me of a guy I, I knew, he, he bought a car down in Pennsylvania, and uh, he had to go to, actually, New York City to pick it up from his nephew, I don't know, but then it had a crack in the windshield, and the carburetor kept, you know, dying out whenever it rained. Really strange like that. But then 
you know, at one time I had this guy, his name was Bob, and I went fishing with him. Okay, I think we're just getting off track a little bit. Oh. Um, Ruslan? Okay. Uh, sure. Okay. Ben? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm happy. I'm good. I'm fine. Everything's good. Fine. <coughs> okay, yeah, well, glad, glad for that. It, it, it seems as though uh, uh, Betty's not here yet. Maybe she'll, she'll stop, still come along. Um, as you know, we're studying Ephesians chapter 2, one of my favorites, this week. Um, were you all able to get a chance to read that? Um, having taken the day off, I actually read it six times that day and also six times every other day. And then because I wanted to really understand where Paul was coming from, I memorized it in Latin. Um, and I feel like I just have a better understanding of the value of the word in a way that just most Americans don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. <laughs> well, I, uh, well, I, I was going to read it, you know, but then... Well, see, my cat got loose, and I had to chase him down the hill, and, well, you know, it, it just uh, just kept getting away from me, and uh, so, well, you know, there's things that just don't happen right. Oh, okay, thank you. Ben? Yeah, I, I, I read it, yeah, I read all of it, uh, um, every, every, every verse was good, I liked it, yeah. I, I definitely read it. Okay. Uh, what was your favorite part, Ben? Um, I liked it. Um, it was about <laughs> Jesus and um, the disciples, I think. Um, I can't remember, but I remember that it was good because I read all of it, just like everyone else read it, so I also read it. Okay. And, okay. Uh, I'm fine. Uh, how about you, Ruslan? Yeah, I read it too. Uh, okay. All right. Well, oh, it looks like uh, I got a text from Betty. It looks like she's going to be late. Uh, we'll just keep going. So Ephesians 2 really teaches us a lot about grace, doesn't it? And uh, the value of grace. And, and, and when we don't walk in that, sometimes that leads us into unhealthy patterns and um, makes it real difficult to, to know how to deal with the struggles. Uh, I just wondered, you know, is that anybody would feel free to, to go ahead and elaborate a little bit on their own struggles, perhaps this week? No, I, no, I don't have any struggles. I'm fine. I'm happy. My family's happy. No, I don't. No, I don't fight with my wife. I don't know why you would think that. We don't. There's nothing for us to talk about. I'm happy. We're happy. It's good. Everything's uh, good. Andy. Uh, well, um, I, I, sometimes I struggle uh, with like. Well, my boss says I maybe get distracted at work. Um, I I don't know why he would say that. Um, because, uh, you know, one time he asked me to finish a project or anything, but my, then my, my friend Ray, he bought a new phone, and he went to the movies. He, it was an iPhone 6, I think, or something. He, he went to the movies. I think it was Fast and Furious. And, well, I, I don't really go for that. I like more of the, um, oh, the, the nature films, you know, the things about, like, like penguins and things like that. Nobody wants to hear about the penguins, right? But I will share a struggle that I, like Jesus, had once. Um, I was in a wilderness season, but <laughs> don't look around. God, in his faithfulness, led me to the mountaintop, and now I know that he just, he wants me to go and teach other people how to live the righteous life that I get to live every day. Ruslan. Well, I don't know. Okay. 
So uh, we got another text here from Betty. It looks like uh, she's, she's um, yeah, she's, she's, she's not going to come. Uh, so let's just close in prayer. Um, and, and, and why don't we, we pray for any requests that you might have? Um, Nicole? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be praying for the uh, weaker Christians in the church, um, that they'll see the light and not focus so much on worldly things like food and clothing and a job and whatever. Um, I don't really worry about these things because, because of my great faithfulness, God has already answered all of my prayers. And so I just want to lift them up. I see. Andy. Well, um, I guess I could use a prayer for my tomato plants. See, because, well, they're, not, they're just not coming along as well as my peppers. Now, my peppers are doing great, you know. And um, I had this, uh, this one time, uh, I had some, uh, I had planted watermelons. And those watermelons, they just they took off, you know, and, and they were doing really good. But then my, my friend Steve, he came over with his dog, you know, and we were playing Frisbee. You and, know what? Let's, the, let's stay on track. Oh. Um, let's see, just see if Ben has... Ben has anything to share? No, I'm I'm good. No struggles. Ben, I understood that that your work was um, having some struggles and we're cutting hours, maybe laying off some people. No, I mean I lost my job, but it's fine. I don't. I'm happy. I my nope. Everything's good. I don't want anything to talk about. I'm not worried about that. I don't you wanna, sure? No, nah, it's good. I don't right. get mad at my wife and, right. and punch the wall sometimes. It doesn't happen. <laughs> I nothing to say. Okay. Uh, all right. Ruslan, what are we talking about? Prayer? Do you need prayer? All right. Let me just pray. Dear God, please help the people in our small group. Amen. Amen. Right, good job. <clears throat> All right. So as you can see, the, the, that life group there had some trouble, had a little bit of, little bit of problems there, and I kind of want to talk about that. So the first way that I see that we can have a great group, the first way that we can live in circles well, is to show up, like, not like Betty, who didn't show up. There's really two ways that I see that we can show up. The first is physically. I've heard it said that when it comes to being a dad, half of the gig is just showing up. And I think that's really true for pretty much all relationships, that you're halfway to success in a relationship just simply by showing up. And Jesus takes showing up in small groups very, very seriously. In fact, this is what he said in Matthew 18, 20. Jesus said, for where two or three come together in my name, I am with them. So Jesus is so excited about us spending time together in groups that he promises us when we get together, he will be there in the midst of us. If you feel far from God, if you feel like you haven't felt God's presence or you haven't heard him speak to you, a way that he promises you can meet with him is by going to a small group because it's in that place that he promises he will be right there. If I take personality tests, uh, when it comes to being an introvert or an extrovert, I'm pretty down the middle, maybe a tiny bit more of an introvert than an extrovert. And in those times where I'm kind of peopled out and feel like I don't really want to do people anymore for the rest of the day or whatever. There's times where getting together with groups of people is challenging for me, if I'm being honest. Times where, in my own, I'm like, I don't really want to do it. Like, I'd rather just relax and be on my own and not have to do the people thing right now. But then I, I'll choose to go be in a small group. I'll choose to go get together with friends. 
And so many times when I go and I do that, I look back at the way that I felt before I went, and I'm like, why did I make such a big deal out of that? Like, why did I make it into some mountain to overcome? Because when I went and I hung out with these people, I actually had a really great time. And if you're someone who's introverted, more than half of the challenge is just getting yourself out the door. Just getting yourself to go, getting yourself to go out the door, getting yourself to do it, you're more than halfway to being in the place that you're going to succeed and meet with people and meet with the Lord. Jesus is so excited about us getting together that he promises if we get together, he's going to be there to meet with us. The second way that I see that we can show up, first way is physically, the second is authentically. Getting yourself to show up physically is challenging. Getting yourself to show up authentically is even more challenging because this is where that filtered life that we're getting used to living comes into play where it's just so normal for us to be fake like Ben was up here and just act like everything's fine when really there is stuff going on in our lives, but we just act like everything is okay, everything's fine when it's not. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 3. He says, we are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. So here we see Paul referring back to the time of Moses. And if you'll remember, Moses went up on the mountain. When he was on the mountain, he met with God. He had this incredible encounter with God. And it was so powerful that his face was literally glowing. His face was literally shining from the glory of God. And then Moses comes down off of the mountain. And Moses is supposed to lead this big group of people, but he feels insecure as a leader. He feels like if they know who I really am, they won't follow me. So he doesn't want them to see that the glory of God is beginning to wane, that it's beginning to fade on his face. So he wears a veil to hide from them who he really is. You know, I look back at this and I think a lot has changed since the days that Moses walked on the earth and nothing has changed at the same time. We're so much like Moses, it's not even funny. Like we still feel insecure about who we are, insecure about the relationships around us, and so we put on a mask to try and get people to accept us or because we're afraid that people won't accept us, we act a certain way that we think will be acceptable, but really what that does is it just creates another mask, another filter between us and people. Then we see in verse 15, which is the last verse that I read there, he says, even to this day, When Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. In other words, the veil first covered their face, but then eventually it covered their hearts. So you thought you were just putting on a mask to protect your face so that people would accept you. But what you didn't realize is that mask that you used to cover up who you were on the outside eventually covered up your heart. So now people don't even know your heart. They don't see you. They don't know who you are. What started as an outward hiding for most of us has become a spiritual condition. Started as an outward hiding, just putting on a mask so the people around us will accept us. But what we didn't realize is that mask then covers our hearts. 
and now people don't know us at all. We don't feel like we know anyone, and we don't feel like people know us. Let's keep reading in verse 16. It says, But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes to the Lord, who is Spirit. So here Paul says, if we will come to the Lord and present ourselves, take the filters down, then we open ourselves to the glory of God, the transformational power of God. So we feel like we put on filters or masks so that people will accept us or see us a certain way. But what we end up not realizing is not only does that um, put a, a filter between us and people, but it also stops the transformational power of God from coming and bringing the change in our life that we so desperately need. Now, one small note that I want to make here is I want you to show up at small groups in an authentic way. I want you to be who you really are. I want you to take the mask off. I want you to be open and vulnerable. But I also want you to be careful how you do that. I don't think it's beneficial to show up at a small group and to tell everyone all of your worst sins and all your deepest things that you've hidden from everybody your whole life. I don't think that's actually going to be helpful. I think that's probably just going to make people feel a little bit icky. So I'm not saying to do that. But what I am saying is, I do think you've got to show up and be vulnerable. And there might be times where confession is appropriate in a small group. There might be times where talking about things that you're, you're struggling with are appropriate in a small group. But I would encourage you to let the leader of the, of the small group kind of set the pace for where that time is. And then if you feel like God is asking you to share something and, and encouraging you to be vulnerable in some way, I want you to do it in a way that honors the Lord and honors the people in the group. So share that thing that you feel like you need to share, but make sure you're doing it in a way that honors the Lord and honors people. I can remember one time I was in a small group and uh, someone shared something and it was super uncomfortable. In fact, it was so uncomfortable that I just stared at the ground like while the person was talking. And out of the corner of my eye, I could see the other people in the room kind of staring at the ground. And I kind of thought about it and I was like, you know, like my life would have been totally fine and fulfilled without that information. Like that was not information I needed. It was not helpful. And you certainly did not need to share it in the way that you did. It just kind of left everyone feeling like, okay, can I leave now? You know, like, so sometimes there might be things that you need to share that are difficult, but make sure you do it in a way that honors the Lord and honors the people in the group. A good rule of thumb is everything I share must be true, but everything true does not need to be shared. So everything I share must be true, but I don't necessarily need to share everything that's true with everyone. One time there was a lady who um, posted something on my Facebook wall, and she said, Pastor, I want to ask you to pray for my husband. He's probably the biggest jerk that I've ever met in my life. I don't think our marriage is going to make it. Like, I hate him. He hates me. Like, I'm pretty sure our marriage is going to be over. Would you please pray for him? And I read that, and I thought, I will pray for him, but I'm going to pray for him because his wife is crazy because she just aired their dirty laundry all over Facebook. And I deleted it as quick as possible, but I didn't even delete it quick enough before somebody else could see it or whatever, you know? So the truth is that lady actually did need to share that information with someone, and she did need to share with someone what she was experiencing and have someone walk with her. And it might have been fine for me to be that person or it could have been someone else, 
But she didn't necessarily need to share it in that way because the way that she shared it didn't honor everyone who was involved. So the main thing that I want you to understand about showing up authentically is you're never going to feel like you're a part of the body of Christ. You're never going to feel like you fit as long as you walk through life wearing a mask. It's not until you actually show up as yourself and say, this is who I am. There's some good stuff there, and there's some stuff that's not so good too, and I'd love it if you guys would walk with me through the challenges. It's not until you show up as yourself that you will ever feel a part. So if you're coming to church and you're participating, but you feel like you're kind of on the outside looking in, you don't feel like you're a part, there's a real good chance that part of the reason you feel that way is because you're being fake. And something I want you to understand is God can't heal a mask. He can't. He doesn't heal masks. God can't set masks free. He only heals people, and he only sets people free. So if you want to experience freedom and you want to experience healing, God doesn't have any freedom or healing for your mask. He only has healing and freedom for you. So show up as yourself and be authentic as you really are, and you'll find a whole lot more freedom. The second way that we can live in circles well is by being a blessing. By being a blessing. Oftentimes we approach life like consumers. We approach life like, what's in it for me? What do I get out of this? Like there's honestly a lot of selfishness still in most of us. Even if you're not like having that thought consciously, you are still kind of probably thinking that below the surface. Like what do I get out of this? What's in it for me? The Bible teaches us to be imitators of Christ. And what did Christ do? He came to serve. The king of the world came. The one who created everything that we see came to the world as a servant. And it's actually as we serve, as we step out and serve, where we actually find fulfillment, where we find joy and peace. It's in those places of serving that we actually meet with the Lord. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Think of ways to encourage one another to acts of love and good deeds. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. Encourage one another. Be a blessing to one another. When is the last time that you actually thought through how you could encourage someone? When's the last time you looked at somebody, you devised a plan, and executed a plan to encourage someone. The last time you looked at someone and said, you know what, what could I do that would fill that person up with courage to do everything that God has put in front of them to do? It's really hard to do that when you don't know people. It's really hard to know how to encourage someone when you don't know the place that they need to be filled up with courage. So if we want to actually encourage people and be a blessing to people, then we'll get to know people. Now, I'm going to give you an important, um, important piece of advice for small groups, but it's really for any relationship. It's for friendships and hanging out with your kids and hanging out with your spouse or whatever, for any type of relationship. And I know it's going to be groundbreaking, but it's going to be really good. God gave you two ears and one mouth. And there's probably a number of reasons for that. One, it might look a little strange if you had two mouths and one ear, like that would be a little awkward. But I think part of the reason he did that is because we actually get to know people and we can learn how to be a blessing to people much more by listening than by talking. There was a gentleman who was tall and whose name happens to be Andy in that life group who was dominating the life group with 
everything that he had to say and stuff that didn't really pertain to what was going on. And there have been times where I was in small groups where one person really monopolized like the time and like always had something to say. And if you're someone who's more of a talker and someone who's more talkative and outgoing, I would encourage you to, to be careful with this because what can happen unintentionally is you can make the people in the room with you feel like you believe what you have to say is a lot more important than what they have to say. And you want people to get to know you, but you don't actually want to get to know them. Now, if you're in that camp of someone who is more of a talkative person, I, I know that's not your heart. Like, that's not your intention at all. But what you end up communicating to people is what I have to say is important and what you have to isn't. So what I would encourage you to do is if you have, let's say you have uh, six people in your group and you've got an hour-long life group, then plan on each person speaking about 10 minutes, 10 minutes each. And now I know that that's, it's never going to fully pan out that way, but if we make that the goal and we make that the target, then we're probably going to make a lot more room for the people in the life group that we want to make room for. On Tuesday, we had a board meeting and Pastor Ben said something, and it didn't make sense to Josh Russell. So Ben said something, and Josh didn't, it didn't make sense to him. And Josh responded, and he said, could you tell me more about that? And I thought, man, that is like such an awesome way to say, you don't make any sense <laughs> to the person. <laughs> you know, like he could have said, like, okay, you just strung together words, and that wasn't really a sentence, and no one knows what you were talking about. But he didn't do that. He didn't take the opportunity to tear him down. He said, I want to learn more about that. Can you tell me more about that? And I thought, you know, in our interactions in life group, there's going to be times where people say things that don't really make sense. But if we can handle each other in a way that invites people into relationship, we're going to get a lot farther and we're going to be able to be a blessing to each other. The third way that I see um, that we can live in circles well is by serving each other. Small groups are a platform for the body of Christ to actually be the body of Christ. They're a platform for, the, for each one of us to actually be the hands and feet of Jesus to the people around us. It's the platform for us to serve and for us to actually minister to people. One time I was in a small group when I was at Elam, and actually it was uh, like our hall would have a, a monthly meeting, but the dorm that I was in was super small. There was only like 10 people living on this one hall. So we got together for our first meeting, and it was like really good. It was like encouraging. We had a great time together, and we decided we were going to get together weekly instead of waiting to get together monthly. So we started building relationship, and there was times where we would worship together. There was times where we would pray for one another, times where we would study the Bible together. We just were doing life together and being there for each other and building relationship, kind of like you guys are going to do in small groups um, starting this week. So we were doing that. And then we came to this one, um, one meeting we were having together, and nobody else knew it, but each person who was in that room was carrying a burden. Each person was stressed out about something. We didn't know that each other was. All we each knew was that we were stressed out about something, and, and we were carrying a burden. And then our RA, who was leading the meeting, he just asked, like the same way he did at the beginning of every meeting, he asked, how's everybody doing? And one guy kind of spoke up, and he said, I'm really kind of stressed out. And we said, what's going on? And he said, well, he said, I was on my way back from work and my car died, like right on the side of 390. I don't want to pay to get it towed. I don't really have money for that. And I got to get to work tomorrow and I'm not really sure what to do. 
one of the other guys just asked him. He said, well, what happened? And so he told him what happened, and he said, ah, it kind of sounds like it was the fuel pump. He said, maybe I can go out there and look with you, and we can see if we can get it running. So they did. The next day they went out there, and they were able to replace the fuel pump, and they got his car running, and he was good to go. Another guy said, um, <clears throat> I'm having trouble in my class. He said, like, this lady, she gets up there and she talks, and I, like, I don't even understand what she's saying. And my, this teacher was, like, much more conversational. Like, she didn't have an outline or anything like that. She was just up there teaching and kind of saying whatever was on the top of her mind at the moment. And uh, so it was kind of hard for him to follow. So I said, why don't you sit next to me, and I'll let you cheat on me during the test, and uh, you can pass the class. And no, that's not really what I said. So I said, why don't you sit next to me, and I'll, I'm, I'm doing well in the class, so you can check out my notes, and I'll, I kind of turned it into an outline, and you can check, check it out, and I think it'll help you. So he ended up coming and sitting next to me, and it helped him a lot. He ended up passing the class. Another guy said, you know, I'm kind of having a hard week, too. And we're like, man, every one of us is having a hard week for one reason or another. He's like, well, my grandmother actually passed away, and I just went home for the last break, and I don't have any money to, to be able to, to go back for the funeral. And I said, well, I got 100 bucks I can give you for that. I don't have much, but I got 100 bucks." And so the other guys kind of pulled in their money, and we came up with enough money for him to fly back for the funeral and to, and to fly back, and he was super blessed from it. Another guy, he was super stressed because he was a contractor, and he was supposed to be finishing up this roofing job, but he got the flu, like super, super sick, and he missed a week of work, and it had to be done by a certain date, and he was like, I don't see any way we can get the roof done like in the time. And I said, well, what if we helped you? So a bunch of us went over, and we helped him, and we, we got the roof done. Then I was supposed to be preaching at a church, and I was like, well, my friend had told me I could use his car to go preach at this church and lead worship, but he ended up going home early, so I don't have any way to get there. And my friend said, well, why don't you take my car? And so that thing that I was stressed about, about we, we met the need, and we kind of got to the end of this meeting that we had, and we looked around at each other and like, each one of us was stressed. Each one of us was burdened by something. But because we were open with each other and willing to serve each other and willing to be a blessing to each other, each one of those things that seemed like a big deal to us individually didn't seem like a big deal to the group. And We could find a way to get each one of those needs met because we were willing to serve each other and willing to be a blessing. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in various forms. Each one of us, every single one of you, not one of you is excluded. God has given you gifts. He's given you abilities. He's given you a place that you can fit into the body of Christ. And when we all bring the gifts that we have and we're all willing to serve with the gifts that we have, the body of Christ functions in a really, really amazing and powerful way. But when some of us don't bring the gifts that we have, when some of us aren't willing to serve, what ends up happening is one portion of the body of Christ ends up trying to overcompensate for that thing that your gift that you should be bringing that you're not, and that part ends up getting stressed out. Before People who study churches um, over the last number of years, a number of years, I'm not sure how many, they would say that 20% of the people in a church do 80% of the work. That's been kind of a a stat that's been very common for a long time. Not a stat the church should be proud of, but a stat that's been fairly true nonetheless. They say that since the pandemic, that stat has actually changed, and it's actually 10% of the people are now carrying 90% of the weight to make church happen. Again, a stat we shouldn't be proud of as a church. But I just want to ask you, are you using your gifts to serve? 
the gifts that God has given you, and every single one of you has a gift. Are you willing to use the gifts that you have to serve, to serve the body of Christ, to, to reach the lost? Are you willing to use what you have? Because what happens to that 10% that's carrying 90% of the weight is that 10% gets burned out real quick because they're carrying way more than they should be having to carry, way more than they're even really capable of carrying. So small groups actually become a place where we can start to step out, we can see a need, and we can say, you know what, my gifts can help meet that need. Like I wasn't a mechanic, and I didn't know how to fix my friend's car. But there was a guy that was a part of our small group that said, yeah, I think I can help you get it fixed. So whatever gift you have, if y'all make your gift, your grace gift that God gave you, if y'all make that back available to God, that's when the body of Christ can start to move forward in power and accomplish what God put in front of us to do. I want to end this morning by giving you a chance to respond to one of the first things that I talked about. I talked about showing up. I talked about showing up physically and showing up authentically. You know, we, I've been false advertising the end of signups for Life Group, but today, really actually, I promise, is the end of signups for Life Group. And maybe you're someone who hasn't been showing up physically. Maybe you haven't signed up. Maybe you're more introverted and the thought of like meeting with a group of people isn't like the funnest thing in the world for you. Or maybe you just feel like life is full and you don't have room for that. I want to encourage you that we are making these available to you because we believe they're valuable and because we believe that the early church, part of the strength the early church lived out their faith with was because of the community that they surrounded themselves with. We are better together, and we need each other. So I want to encourage you to really consider signing up for a life group. And if you don't sign up for a life group, I want you to consider finding some people that you can do life with. Find a people that these are my people, and I connect with them, and I can be open with them about the challenges that I'm having in my life because we need each other. But the main way that I want to challenge you this morning is to show up authentically, to show up as you really are. You know, Moses came down off the mountain and he covered his face with a veil because he was supposed to lead these million people through the wilderness and he was afraid they wouldn't follow him. Like when he got up to talk, he stuttered. Like he, on paper, he wasn't going to be the best leader, but he was the person God picked and he felt insecure about who he was so he put a veil over his face. You know, I, I wonder this morning what veil you and I have over our face. Some of us put a veil over our face to try and present ourselves to the world in a way that we thought the world would accept us and would be okay with us. But for some of us, that veil actually covered our heart, and it's been separating us from God. And maybe you've been in a place where you've been struggling, and like, why in the world isn't the power of God affecting my life? Why am I not seeing changes in these places that I know God can change me? Maybe part of the reason is because your heart has been covered by this veil that you've been putting up. Maybe you try and present yourself to the world as a super spiritual person. Maybe you uh, sit down in the morning and you, take, you set your Bible up, you set your coffee up with the steam coming out of it, the, the sunrise off in the distance, and you take a sweet picture of that with the verse of the day, you post it on Facebook, and you present yourself as super spiritual guy. But the truth is, you know, that's the first time you cracked open that Bible in like a month. And you're really, really beat up inside because you've been dealing with some secret sin that no one knows about, and it's been tearing you apart. But you present yourself as super spiritual guy because you, you think everyone's going to accept you when the truth is 
they don't really care if you're a super spiritual guy. They just want you to be a normal guy that they can talk to and relate to and that you guys can help each other and encourage each other. Maybe you present yourself to the world as the mom that has it all together. You take that nice picture of your kids in matching clothes with matching lunch boxes, and you post it online. This is me, the mom who has it all together. But the truth is, on the inside, you feel like you are failing. You feel like you don't know how to be a mom. you got problems going on with your kids that there doesn't seem to be any solution for. You feel like you've tried everything and you don't know what to do. But there you are, presenting yourself as mom who has it all together, when the truth is you feel like you're alone and isolated and struggling. Maybe you present yourself as the dad who's super capable and can handle anything and everything is fine and you can handle all this stuff, but really you feel like the ship of your life is being held together with duct tape and bailing wire and it's just waiting to implode and fall apart and you feel super, super alone in that place. Or maybe you present yourself to the world as someone who's living their best life, like just showing the highlights of your life to the world around you, but the truth is you feel really, really alone and you're scared and you're struggling and you wish you had someone to walk through life with. There's not going to be any way that people are going to connect with us if we're just going to keep presenting the fake mask that we have. It's not until we actually present ourselves as we really are that we can actually form meaningful relationships, and the Lord, his power, can actually come into the places of our life that we so desperately need. Would you bow your heads this morning? In a world that's increasingly isolated and filled with anxiety, this is how the body of Christ lives in circles. We're better together, and we need each other. But we're never going to feel apart. We're never going to see growth or progress in our life as long as we keep presenting a fake version of ourselves. Lord, I pray for each person who's here this morning. And Lord, the truth is, each one of us, every single one of us, is wearing a mask to one degree or another. And Lord, I ask that in this season that we would be, have the grace to set aside that mask, to actually be who we are and invite friends into, that, into who we are, into our lives, and invite your transformational power into our life. Lord, that outward veil has become a spiritual condition for so many of us. We don't even know how to be open with each other, and even if we knew how to, we wouldn't because we're afraid that they won't accept us. Lord, I ask that there would be a special grace, that your Holy Spirit would be over each one of these life groups, that people would walk in and feel a grace to be their authentic selves, to be who they are. Lord, I ask that special relationships would be formed in this time, that we would learn to lean on each other, we would learn to support each other, We would learn to serve each other. We would learn to be a blessing to each other. Lord, I ask that you would do something powerful in life groups in this season as we show up. We show up physically and we show up authentically. I would ask you to bless this season and bless each one as they go from this place. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Go be who God made you to be.